Welcome to Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast. I'm your host, Sean Holland. Our guest today is Robert Mays. We've had him on before. He is from The Athletic now. Was at The Ringer, but he's moved on. He's a football writer, but he loves the Cubs. And we just talk about, well, everything that's gone wrong lately. I don't want to say wrong, but the end of an era. Theo Epstein's gone, Kyle Schwarber's gone, Len Casper, gone. Not exactly banner days for the Cubs, but I think Robert and I had a good conversation. We also did a little football talk. Bears and Rams. I'm also writing a little bit for Bears Insider, which is an offshoot of Cubs Insider, so check out my stuff there, too. And here's Robert. Well, Robert, welcome back to Holy Cow. Always good to have you on. Oh, happy to be here. Happy to be here. It's been a while since I've thought about the Cubs, I think, just for my own sort, uh, personal self-preservation. So That's right. It's, well, it's been a while since I uh, recorded an episode for pretty much the same reason. So, <laughs> so let's dive in. Um, a lot of stuff, a lot of changes going on with the Cubs. Uh, I guess we'll go with the biggest one first. Theo Epstein is out. He uh, stepped aside as president of baseball operations. Jed Hoyer gets the promotion. Should we expect much different or it's the end of an era? Theo is gone. Should we just take a minute and praise all that Theo did? I think that's the best approach. You know, I think end of an era is the right way to put it. And in some ways, but in others, not. You know, and the fact that Jed has been you know, his right-hand man for so long in multiple stops. You know, I've read a lot recently about some of the differences in their thinking and some of the things that Jed was in Theo's ear about, whether it was making sure that Strope was a part of the Arietta trade or you know, some of the other things that or his sensibilities differ. But for the most part, I assume that the overarching philosophies and everything else will be the same in terms of how they guide the front office and the choices that they make. And if that's something that we can just kind of take at face value, I think that the understanding that what Theo did is what we'd all hope someone would do forever. And I think it's difficult in sports in general to really sit in the good moments because especially as a Cubs fan and some other downtrodden franchises, it's so natural to go back to that place of woe is me and it's all going to come crashing down. And I think that understanding that this seems a little bit of a rut right now, it's easy to fall into that and be worried about what the future will bring. But at the same time, four years ago, you know, four years, three years, 10 months, whatever, I guess longer than that. So a little bit more than four years ago, four years and three months it was the best moment any of us could ever hope for as Cubs fans. And Theo Epstein was a huge part in making that happen. So I'd rather celebrate what he did and understand that you know, the future probably is brighter than some people would make it out to be at this point. Yeah. Cause it's, it's that, you know, classic expectations get raised because before Absolutely. the Cubs won the world Series, Yeah. It's like, 
oh my god, if the Cubs ever won the World Series. But then they did, and you're like, well, we didn't even win a playoff round? This is very disappointing. <laughs> they went to the playoffs, what, like five out of six years or something like that? And it's like, yeah, that's pretty good, but our expectations have been raised. Yeah, and I think that that's natural. And I think that the goalposts are always going to move, and I think people are inherently unsatisfied and, and whether that's people in their own personal lives or with their sports teams or whatever, you always want what's next after you've reached a certain bar. And I think that's the place that we're at. And you know, it's not wrong. And I think that I can understand why people are a little bit worried about what this offseason might bring and what the roster might look like next year and all those things. But every once in a while, I think you've got to kind of remind yourself to smell the roses and remind yourself, especially how good they smelled four years ago and how we never thought we'd be in that garden ever in our entire lives. Yes. Well, I guess it's also the thing before our times, of course, the bears won their one super bowl, had some good teams. And then obviously they've never been back. Um, I'm a Rams fan. It took when they won their Super Bowl, a lot of time in the wilderness after that Super Bowl win. So it is like this might not come around again for a while. So you should take it for granted, not take it for granted. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's exactly right. And, and who knows what this team is going to look like and who knows what the next era is going to look like. But, you know, it's, you know, Parting is such sweet sorrow, right? Like saying goodbye to Kyle Schwarber is hard. Mm -hmm. Saying goodbye to Theo Epstein is hard. But things end. And I think it's important not to lament their ending as much as it is to celebrate them happening at all. And you want to demand accountability. And I think that that's important as a fan base and as a group of people supporting the specific teams. You want to say, we know you can be this, so we'd like to see you be this. And that's totally fine. I'm not saying that you should excuse missteps just because there have been some flashes of success but i also think that it's important to really appreciate what this last five years has been like and where this franchise is in the collective consciousness of baseball fans and their relevance in the entire sport and all of those things and i feel like theo epstein was a huge piece in allowing that to happen yeah because we i know on my podcast we picked apart you know some of the things that theo epstein did wrong especially in recent years, you know, minor league talent didn't develop. There were some trades that didn't work out. But yeah, his goal was to make a consistent winner that won the World Series. And we got that. So we really can't be that mad. That's exactly right. And, and I think it's easy to look back on some of it now and, you know, what would be different if there are a couple of different guys thrown in the Chapman trade or, you know, what happens if Jimenez is not part of the Quintana trade and all of that stuff. And I think that those things are reasonable. And I think it's reasonable to question them. And, you know, this team would look a lot better with a couple minor tweaks in some of those deals that were made. But that's the question. What is a World Series worth? And what is a championship worth? It's a question I think a lot of fan bases across all sports have to ask. The Eagles are dealing with that right now. Mm -hmm. You know, we won a Super Bowl and we finally did it. And now it's all come crashing down. And how do you kind of balance those two things? LSU football is in that exact mm -hmm. moment right now where you have this magical season, this one that you hope for your entire life rooting for this sort of team. And then you have it. And then now you have to deal with the aftermath. And the Cubs, I feel like, are in a similar position now. It hasn't come crashing down the way that it did with LSU. But it, the, the heights that they reached, 
feel further away and further away by the minute. And I think that that's exactly where Cubs fans find themselves right now. Yeah. And then we could do a whole different uh, podcast, which you do, about the Eagles and getting stuck with Carson Wentz and that whole mess. Yikes. With- yeah, and the Colts, I mean, obviously the Cubs aren't in that sort of spot. You know, they haven't really committed to anybody in immediately after that success that's kind of hanging there now. Obviously, the Jason Hayward contract has been talked about ad nauseum, but that was something that happened before any of this. Mm-hmm. So you're hearing that you know, they're not the tail end of it, but you're on the back half of it. So it's the Cubs aren't in that sort of spot just because they're not as tied to a fixture of their franchise in the same sort of way. In a way, the fixture of the Cubs franchise is somebody who very well may be on the move here pretty soon, and that's an entirely different conversation. Yes. So let's... Um... Kyle Schwarber, as you mentioned, was non-tendered. Kind of a shocking, because he wasn't like he was going to get paid that much, but they uh, non-tendered him. So let's just uh, pour one out for Kyle Schwarber. How do you, how are you going to look back on the Kyle Schwarber experience? Because Obviously, there's what happened in 2016 and just the amount of pure guts and balls and heart that that guy showed and the role it played in this team winning a championship is something I'll never forget. And I'll never forget the home run he hit mm-hmm. against the Cardinals in the playoffs. I That day, it was so funny. I was, I mean, obviously, it was, it was my, really my first year back, like really loving the Cubs again because I just moved back to Chicago. And... I was supposed to fly from New York to Cincinnati to do a story on Andy Dalton in October. Sure. I'll never... And Andy Dalton was playing great that year. It was That was when he was awesome and he was an MVP candidate. And I was flying out of LaGuardia and my flight, I had booked it you know, before the playoffs had started and whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was have to, I was going to have to fly during the game. And so I pushed my flight back to the evening. So I was at LaGuardia for like seven hours and I watched the game at the airport and the ball he hit into the right, over the right field bleachers and over the Budweiser sign. I legitimately thought they were going to have to remove me from LaGuardia because of the noise I was causing and the, just the overall ruckus that I was making at the airport bar. And I'll remember that stuff so well, but I remember mm-hmm. coming back in the 2017 season. I was there for their first home game. I just bought tickets last minute. And I remember Kyle Schwarber, just his first at bat that day, just watching him hit and being like, man, he just sees the ball so well. And he's just this prodigious hitter. And I was so excited about what the future of the Kyle Schwarber experience mm-hmm. would bring, just watching him develop as a player. And it feels like we were robbed of that in a way. Yes. It never happened in the way that it was supposed to happen. And so I'm torn about it in the same way that I'm torn about a lot of the Cubs. Yeah, it, it was. It's just like... Push, push and pull factors over the last couple of years. Yeah, it's like you thought he was going to be this like 300 hitter that would smash 45 home runs. And you like he was going to be the greatest. Because you thought, well, look at what he did with a torn up knee. You know what I mean? He did that incredible comeback to get back. Did all this stuff, and you thought, when he's had a full year, look out. And then he got a full year, and like you said, it just it never came together. It's just, yeah, it's very frustrating. 
because Bryant was you know, Bryant was the golden boy, right? He had everything. Mm-hmm. And Bryant was also just a, a supernatural, preternaturally talented hitter. But Bryant was just an athlete. You know, what my favorite part mm-hmm. about watching Chris Bryant over the last five years is that he does everything. You know, it's the mm-hmm. base running that you don't really appreciate mm-hmm. and just all the little stuff. The fact that he's has hit into like a dozen double plays in his entire career. Yeah. It's little stuff like that that I love Chris Bryant for. It's just that he's a complete, I mean, at his best, and we can talk about that when you want to, but when he was at his best, he was just this complete player. But mm-hmm. Bra- Schwarber was supposed to be this the natural as a hitter. He was supposed yeah. to be this guy that just had a feel for how to do it and a feel for the art of it in a way that no one else did. And that's why you could excuse the lack of positional fit. You could excuse mm-hmm. the lack of defense because he was supposed to be this guy that gave you more at the plate than anybody else in the world was going to give mm-hmm. you over the next few years. And we just never got to see that guy. And it almost feels like I've been cheated out of something in this really <laughs> selfish way. And you got this like fear now. Well, if he goes somewhere else, well, it click there, you know, you never know. But it was just didn't seem like it was ever going to happen. Despite, like, going into last year, this year, you thought, okay, he had a great second half, this is the year, and nope. Then he fell flat on his face again. And yeah, it just, it's, it probably was time to move on. I don't know enough about baseball history. I mean, I, I'm a Cubs fan, but I don't follow the sport in the same way I do with the NFL. So I wouldn't have any points of reference about it. But, I mean, he's 27 years old. Yes. Like, he's going to be 28 when the 2021 season kicks off. His birthday's on March 5th. Mm-hmm. Do we ever see guys find a groove? I mean, the amount of time he's spent in this kind of divot of his career I don't know what the comps would be of somebody kind of finding their way out of that. So I assume that those that played into the decision. What were you going to say? It did. I'm trying to think of a good – there are people that will sometimes have like a year or two where they kind of pop up. But once you get to this age – and he's had a lot of at-bats. But, I mean, there's still time, but it's getting on the wrong side for him. So – but I wouldn't rule it out, but – yeah, it's not. It just doesn't seem to be happening. Yeah, it, that's it, true. funny. Looking at the numbers now, is he getting to OPS plus in 2018? Doesn't it seem like he was worse than that? Yes. He finished strong. It's, I don't know why. I, I remember it just being because I guess the expectations were just so mm-hmm. high. Well, they'll go through these like unbelievable slumps and then get red hot. But. It's like Ian Happ is doing what he was supposed to do, but doing it, you know, like he's doing a better version of what Schwarber was supposed to do. So you'd keep Happ. Happ is younger. And if he's doing the same thing, then you keep Happ. And that's kind of what I think the decision was. No, that makes sense. That definitely makes sense. All right, then we got to get to the Perhaps the biggest news, um, Glenn Casper leaving the Cubs announcing booth. And I'm going to, this one hurts. Because, you know, you know, when you're a fan of, as you know, you really have a relationship with the play-by-play announcers. You feel Especially like, in baseball. Yes. 
it's a day in day out thing. So just losing Len Casper, this sucks. It's brutal. I mean, it's just it's one of my favorite parts of the season is that you just have this cozy and and Len is so great at it. Like him and and uh, and and uh, God, what am I? Him and JD. Him and JD just have this back and forth and. You really, because you sit with these guys for so long mm-hmm. and there's this intimacy to the relationship you have with a baseball play-by-play announcer that's so important. And losing that and losing that just comfort is really rough. And the fact that somebody brought up Chris Myers as like a yeah. potential replacement for him. Like, yeah. have you listened to Chris Myers call a football game? Like Chris Myers is oh, fine. Chris God. Myers is a lifer. But I don't want to sit and listen to Chris Myers called 20 hours to cover baseball no, every single no, no, week. No. Like, that's not a way I want to spend my time. As and a Rams and fan, Casper have such different yeah. energy. As a Rams fan, I've had to listen to a lot of uh, Chris Myers broadcasts, and yeah, no. No thanks. It's really, it, it's so, it really does, it just bums me out. And the fact that now the White Sox have him and Benetti, mm-hmm. who, I mean, Jason's a friend of mine, so I'm... And, I'm a little bit biased, and I, I think yes. he's great at his job, though. Independent of that, even if I didn't know him, I would still say that. And the fact that they yes. have now, in my mind, two of the best play-by-play yes. guys in the entire business for their radio and TV broadcasts, and the Cubs are kind of you know, yes. getting to the end here with Pat Hughes and who knows who's going to do the TV, it mm-hmm. really does, maybe more than anything else, signal a weird changing of the guard in terms of relevancy yes. for Chicago baseball teams. It's why, yeah, it's wild. And I mean, you think about it too, back to our childhood days, they have Steve Stone too. So it's yeah. like, I just, at all costs, they got to protect um, JD. Do not lose JD. They'll be very bummed. I'll, I'll be really curious to see who they get to replace him, just because, again, I mean, it's going to be the difference between me watching the games on mute or me, me watching the games with the sound on, you know, for the most part when I can, especially this year, because it was such a weird year mm-hmm. and there were few things to kind of fill our time. So I found myself, you know, I have two TVs in my living room because of what mm-hmm. I do for work. And a lot of the time, I'll just put the Cubs game on the top TV on mute and just watch yes. something else so I'm not spending all of my time watching the Cubs games. But mm-hmm. this summer especially, I would turn the sound on, and it was always a pleasure to have it on. And you really yes. do feel like you're sitting there hanging out with two of your buddies. And this year, depending on what happens, we may be back to the mute option while I yes. you know, watch The Mandalorian on my bottom TV or something. Yes, or find a way to get um, Pat Hughes, like, Somehow superimposed over the TV. I've, some people do that, but I feel like the delays on it are different, so it would be hard to sync it yes. up. Maybe I'm just not. Yeah, no, it's, it's hard. Enterprising enough. I think you can do it on um, MLB TV. So if you buy MLB TV, but um, I have it when I watch on the road, so maybe I'll be able to do that. Yeah. When I'm home. I'll, I'll, I'll see you if can, that can work. You can sync them up. So all right. So I guess I will ask you a couple of football questions since that's the tradition at the end of these. The uh, Bears, what can you say about the Bears? Go for a draft pick? Oh, I think that that's the best option at this point. I mean, 
I don't understand. And it's tough because I try not to let my fandom cloud my football mm-hmm. analyst side of my brain. And when you get to cover the league and you've done it for a while, you just become even more aware of the fact that these guys are people. You know, I know a bunch of coaches and executives in the NFL, and I, I consider some of them people that I'm friendly with. And I don't want people to – and, I've, you know, Matt Nagy has been good to me in the past, and yeah, I, I think that he's a good guy. I don't want these guys to lose their jobs. I don't want anybody to lose their job in the middle mm-hmm. of what's going on right now. But at a certain point, I think you have to also be practical with the way that this stuff works. And if the Bears are being honest with themselves as a franchise mm-hmm. – there are no arguments for continuing with this regime. You know, things are headed in the wrong direction. There has been no development at the most important position in professional sports. And there's been no development from the offense, which is supposed to be Matt Nagy's area of expertise. Yes. On the personnel side of this, let's say the Bears end up with a 10th pick. New England losing to your Rams last night was not good for the Bears draft prospects, but we'll look past that. It, let's say the Bears end up with a top 10 pick. Let's say you know, maybe they try to move up into the top seven for a guy like Zach Wilson or Trey Lance. Or, all of this stuff is fantasy football at this point. We don't know what these guys are going to be viewed within the league. But let's say theoretically that could happen. Would you want Ryan Pace to be the person selecting the next quarterback of the Chicago Bears? I'm thinking probably not. The question is no. I mean, there's just no reason for him to be the guy to do that. And if you think there's any chance that this is the offseason where you try to make a change at quarterback, where you try to figure out what the next era and next version of this franchise looks like, in my opinion, you should probably have a different organizational structure in place to make those sorts of decisions. Yes. All right. So I'll ask one more because uh, now I can ask you about the Rams because I gave all the fans the Bears questions. So. Um, should I feel good about this um, Cam Akers situation? Because, you know, we, they drafted him in the second round. He was supposed to be, like, a big running back. And then he hasn't really done it mo- much this year, but he really seems to be taking over. So should I feel good about this? Yeah, I think so. I, In my opinion, coaches find reasons not to play rookies. If that makes sense. Uh, yeah. I think you talk to some of these guys about, the, especially at running back. Running back is such a weird position. But even beyond running back, Justin Jefferson, who mm-hmm. is just playing out of his mind for the Vikings. Yeah. I mean, it just has looked like a superstar from the get-go in Minnesota as a rookie. He wasn't even the one of the starting receivers like halfway through training wow. camp. This stuff is happens all the time. Mm-hmm. And... With that offense, I think that, and with, in general with running backs, I think it's twofold. One, guys just aren't used to pass protecting in the same mm-hmm. way in, in the NFL like they have been in college. Protection schemes are different, and there's a lot of apprehensiveness about, apprehensiveness, a lot of apprehension from coaching staffs about, can we drop this guy in because protecting our quarterback is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. That's It's something that we don't think about enough as fans, but coaches think about constantly, how to keep your quarterback from getting hurt. So yeah. that may have been part of it. The other part of it is, in that scheme, and the Rams run a ton of wide zone. You know, they've mixed yes. up a little bit this year, but for the most part, that's the baseline of their offense. And that running, that scheme, if it's not what you've majored in, or even if you've done a similar version of it, the mm-hmm. coaching points and the details of it are so specific 
that if you don't have those down, it can be difficult to get a feel for that spot. You know, Daryl Henderson didn't play at all last year, yeah, yeah. I think in part because he struggled with some of that stuff. So, and he was banged up. If you're hurt as a rookie, it can yes. derail your entire rookie season. It can derail your second season. Yeah, so I think all of those things kind of start to come, like they pile on top of one another. And that's probably why you didn't see him just right out of the gates, yeah, yeah. just blazing hot. But I do think there's watch what happened last night and you see what they've been able to do with running backs on that offense consistently. I absolutely think you should feel good about it. And combined with what's happening with Brandon Staley on that defense, yes. I think that there's a lot to feel good about with this team right now. Yes, I feel pretty good. So that's always, always the danger side. When I feel good, but I do. <laughs> I can understand that. But here's the, the thing about the, the NFC. It's so funny. I think that there are, I think the top of the NFC is better than the top of the AFC. Mm-hmm. I think that the class of teams that's you know, Green Bay, New Orleans, even the Rams, mm-hmm. I, I think all of those teams would be the second best team in the AFC. Yeah. But I think that there's, it's very muddled. So there are a lot of them, but I don't know what the pecking order would be if you're trying to kind of sift yeah, yeah. it out. So it, I absolutely believe that the Rams could come out of the NFC in part because I think they might have the best defense in the NFL. Yeah. Which, if you had told me on December 11th, you'll think the Rams are legitimate Super Bowl contenders. And I would, you've had to ask me to detail why that is. Mm-hmm. Never in my wildest dreams would I have said it's because they have a top two defense and mm-hmm. the offense is doing enough to get by. That is never the formula I would have predicted. Not, not after last year, no. So that's, yeah, I'm happy. So anyway, um, thank you for coming on my podcast and kind of a not fun Cubs news to talk about, but I thought we had a good conversation. It was great. And I, and I think that they'll be okay. And I think that again, we just every once in a while, step back, go watch those game seven highlights, understand that even if that shouldn't be what defines the rest of your life as a Cubs fan, yeah. it's still something that no one will ever be able to take away from you or from Theo Epstein or from Kyle Schwarber. And I think that's what matters. That's right. That's right. All right. Thank you. Awesome. No problem. Son. Uh, Robert Mays is at Robert Mays on Twitter. M A Y S. I am at SDH85. You can email the podcast, holy cow podcast at Gmail. Holy cow podcast at Gmail. Uh, please uh, rate and review my podcast on the Apple Podcast app. And because you know, getting those ratings and reviews, they really are nice. Um, yeah, and there'll be more moves. I'm sure for the Cubs and we will have podcasts to uh, update you on those moves. And it's a new era for the Cubs. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be good, but I'll be here to tell you about it.